being able to say no is the most powerful thing anyone can do and being able to go to a place completely sober and experience music experience people completely sober can be a very daunting thing but if you do do it it can also be an amazing feeling Welcome to Elevated Frequencies, the show that gives you access to the next level of house and techno so you can explore an elevated lifestyle. Going sober to shows is one of my favorite subjects. Now, it's not something I would have ever considered in my younger 20s, but at 31, it's become standard practice in my life. And, you know, when I break down why I'm going to these shows, right, it's not for the $400 bottle of Tito's. It's not to be seen. It's not for anything other than the fact that I want to hear my favorite music perform live on a really badass sound system. That's what it's about. And so I've gotten really good at setting boundaries and priorities in my life so that I can do both. Um, Will Clark, my friend Will Clark, is on the podcast today talking about his priorities and boundaries because he's gotten really good at them. Um, he has a whole life outside of music that offers him reprieve from, you know, bustling nightlife. He also told me some really incredible stories about how he took strategic action or what I call aligned action to kind of change the course of his career. Um, it's really inspiring stuff. I did have some technical difficulties on my end, but don't let that take away from the fact that Will is an amazing storyteller. So without further ado, Will Clark. We met for the first time at EDC Orlando, and I was so excited to meet, but we didn't really get a chance to have a real conversation, right? It was was really quick. So I'm very excited to, to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Congrats as well. Welcome to the podcast world. Thank you. I I had been annoying you about it for like three months, I think, telling you it's coming, it's coming, and I want you to be one of my first guests. So so I appreciate you following through. You're a man of your word. No worries. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. So so I know that you're a big fan of having these long conversations and you Mm -hmm. started your podcast. Has it been two or three years? Um 2020. April. So yeah, three years. Okay. And so we talked about it a little bit, you know, when we were just talking one-on-one, but what inspired you to do that, to, to talk to your friends and industry people? Um, I used to have a radio show called the barbershop. Um, and it was like a quintessential monthly radio show where it was a mix and me recording voiceover and then i'd have an interview halfway through with like a guest that was like i'd pick their top cuts of the top three cuts of the of the month um and i enjoyed that the most i really really dislike doing mixes um as my team will probably know if they ever listen to this but it's like i hate doing mixes um it's the one thing that i 
generally always say no to. Um, so the fact that I was doing that on a radio show just wasn't making me happy to do. And the the part of the show that I really enjoyed was the podcast, what the, the interview side of things. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't make time to do a podcast and I didn't really know how to do it. Um, but I, I consume a lot of podcasts. So I, when obviously the pandemic hit, we had a bunch of time on our hands and I tried to work it out and eventually worked it out. And it took a fair amount of episodes to get it to the point of where we're at today. Um, but it was just a case of like, I just wanted to, there wasn't really any conversations that was happening in, in the electronic music industry and uh, on a podcast level, on a long form. Every, there's always interviews here and there, but like everything's very curated and very edited and very like radio show vibe where I kind of wanted more of a long, to- long form and like hear the silences and hear the like, awkward moments and kind of hear the like nuance of an actual conversation um and don't get me wrong some of my episodes are better than others and some um um, feel a little more interviewee than others purely because of the relationship i have with that person is that they don't we don't know each other so it's kind of hard to like especially over zoom to have a conversation and uh, and it, it, it be an interview to a certain extent um but that's just the joys of a podcast. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy doing it. And I recently have just taken on an editor in the last like maybe t- 20 episodes. You're joking. Um, I've only just taken on an editor and which they do all the video side of it and all the assets, which is really game changing because I w- did everything up until yeah literally like three months ago um so that that was an absolute game changer for me where i can literally just do the podcast and i still do the audio so i still bounce all the audio out and do all of that but i then can send it to him and he does everything um from from then on um i mean obviously you you can do it that doesn't always mean you should right now you couldn't do it freed up I couldn't do it. That's the thing is I, I, I can barely do video editing. Like I'm not a good video editor at all. I had to like learn it all myself. And, but for me, the visual side of the podcast was really important. Um, I, I'm a huge consumer of YouTube. Um, and I just really always wanted a visual side of the, the, the podcast to be somewhere. Um, and it was important for socials and things like that. So yeah, I had to learn all of that and how to do it. And luckily we had 18 months off and I could learn all of that and I could do all of that. So it, it was just when the pandemic stopped and I was back touring, it was becoming a lot and it kind of took the fun out of it for me. The whole podcast it, for, for a section, for a period, because it's like me and my team do all the booking, like for the first maybe 50 for the first year i did everything like even my manager didn't book any artists it was literally me booking all the artists me doing all the artwork me doing absolutely everything so it was like 
it became a lot of work and then when we started touring again i was like okay i need some help like i need some i need to kind of delegate um and then yeah like it's it's i love it it's i've kind of fallen back in love with it because i don't have to edit it right right you get to do what you love to do and, and yeah. focus on that and one thing that i really appreciate about you as a person and i think this translates into your art is that you're not afraid to be vulnerable and lay everything out on the table and that comes across in your conversations with other artists it comes across in what you post yourself and i think vulnerability maybe is something that comes with age but you're not very old. We're the same age. So how I feel old today. <laughs> so, do I. so do I. I look old as well. Uh, Jesus Christ. I'm looking at this camera and I'm like, fuck me. Well, no, bitch. no, you do not. You, you do not look old. Um, um but yeah, you sorry, but, carry on. but where does that come from? Where where does that ability to just be vulnerable come from? I don't know. I I I am extremely fortunate. I had an amazing childhood with my parents and my family um they my mum both my parents are therapists um my mum has been a therapist my whole life before my, before i was born and my dad became a therapist from 15 years into my life um so like dinner tables the dinner table was the time when my parents and my brother and my sister like where we'd kind of air everything out um of what's annoying us and how we our feelings are and it was i was always taught to talk about your feelings which i'm really fortunate i don't always do i'm very like i'm happily i'm happy to be vulnerable in cert with certain things but there's also certain things that i keep to myself for just that's just how i am as a, as a human being um which is, whether, is important right I, yeah important. i, I think it's to... important i think it's important um i think there's pros and cons to it but i think yeah i i'm super fortunate with how my parents kind of raised me and i'm not saying that's the only way to raise a child like there's no right or wrong way um but i was really lucky with them and i think also one thing that i learned from my mum which is interesting because some people hate it and some people love it is that just be honest and your your thoughts can change your your feelings can change like your stance on a on a situation can change and it's allowed to change but mm -hmm. be honest right now and if something's bothering you or if something's on your mind like just say it because if somebody gets offended by it, it's their choice on how they deal with it. It's it's if you word it in the correct way and you're thoughtful of of how it could affect other people or how it could kind of somebody else could could respond to it. I think there's ways to say things um, that isn't necessarily going to hurt somebody else's feelings. But at the end of the day, you have to look after your feelings over anybody else, and you've got to look after your career your life over anybody else because in the grand scheme of things it's only you you can only look after yourself um and if you can't look after yourself no you can't look after anybody else um, 100 you can't pour from an empty cup 
Yeah, totally. And, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you, you're somebody, okay. So I, I was joking with you the other day when I saw the tweet about like the Zodiac, right. And you're like, if she tells you to download CoStar, but, Co-Star. Run. <laughs> but, but you, but you seem to be a very, I don't want to say religious because I don't know. I can, but yeah. maybe a spiritual person. You seem to be somebody who's just you, your music. It comes across in your music. Yeah. So, so where does that come from? Yeah, I'm not spiritual at all. Um, which is weird. Like when my, when Ryan, my manager, when we started working with each other, we he kind of gave me this questionnaire to kind of like fill out, which is it's a lot of homework, but it really helped me. Um, and there was like questions and stuff and it was like, are you spiritual? I'm not, not at all. Like I love the concept of religion and spirituality if that's a fucking word, but I'm not, um, at all. And the music, because I make records that sound religious or I sample gospel records or I write gospel records, doesn't mean i'm religious i just love that music um i'm not really a lyric listener i don't really listen to lyrics i like listen to melody and the feeling that it gives me um like there's records that i i've written that i still don't necessarily know the lyrics to as much it's like it's more so how does it make you feel like hallelujah it took me a long time for me to remember the lyrics of Hallelujah. Really? Which is they weird. Were, they were stuck in my head this morning. <laughs> I that's feel it. like it's they're like, some, some of the easiest re- lyrics to remember. They're great. Yeah, but f- for me, it's, it's the melody um, and it's the feeling. So, like, I love the concept of religion. Like, I love the concept of what certain religion things do to you and do to a community. But I truly think what we do is without sounding cheesy and shitty as fuck, but like we write records and we play them in big spaces to a lot of people. It's exactly the same as a church, as a gospel church. You go to one place, you sing a bunch of songs and as a community you're together. And at that time when you're in that moment, I'd like to hope that everybody feels a part of something. And it's no different to go into a club or going to a festival. Apart from there might be a few more narcotics going around and a few more like less worshipy shit. But like that is truly in my mind what a what a music show is. It's exactly the same as what you would do is going to church on a Sunday. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Do you feel that that music moves people the same way? And you said the keyword community. Yeah. And one thing that I have been wrestling with in my own life is as I get older and I don't want to engage in so many late nights is how do oh. I still feel part of this community and connected to the scene and to the music without wrecking, you know, the next three days because I'm 31 and I can't, I, I, even if I'm going and, and a lot of the times I'm going to shows completely sober. Now I'm not drinking really anymore. I live a low yeah. alcohol lifestyle, but even staying out, you know, till 4am 
it's, it's tough. So how, I don't even know if there's an answer to this. There's not one answer to this, but how do you stay feeling a part of that community? Maybe as your life and and priorities change. Mm. Well, I think everyone changes, right? And every time, like, especially where we're at in our age, like time, things in things changed massively. Like all of my closest friends from back home that we would throw parties together or we'd all be DJs. Like they've all got kids now and like they're going on caravan holidays and they're not going to clubs. And if they do come to a, the club to see me play, it's like once a year, twice a year. Right. Um, but I think at the end of the day, kids change everything for that. Like you can still do shit, but like if you've got, if you've got responsibilities for somebody else, then that, that kind of changes things. I think if you don't have kids, then it's just about what's your priorities in life like is going to a show that important to you to that you have to do it once a month maybe it is maybe it isn't um i think there's for me being part of a community doesn't necessarily have to be in the club like it's listening to music it's having people around it's kind of who do you keep close to you that you can kind of all relate to certain things. Like a lot of my friends outside of music don't go to clubs. Um, and I kind of live, I don't live a double life, but I have two, two types of life, if that makes sense. Um, where I still feel like I have a community around me outside of music, which is really important to me. Um, but how do you, how do you, the, going back to your question, how do you keep community? I think it's, how do you, it's, it's realistically down to you and it's down to me and I, as a person is you have to do, and I'm not telling you, I, I'm going to use it as I, cause it sounds bad for me telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing. But like, if I need something, I have to go and get it. So like, I don't think age should ever get involved with that. I think it's, you have to, I have to work out how it, how to change my thought process or change what I need to do to, to allow that to fit in. Let's say for instance, like the gym, I have to go to the gym nearly every day. It's not a case of, I was talking to my mom about this last week. It's not a case of actually being healthy, of like being muscular and looking good and doing all of that. That's the like, that's the side of it. That's the, the outcome of it. The, the whole concept of, of going to the gym is something that I need in my life. And mentally that keeps me going. Um, so it's like how important, so I, I guess that's the thing is how important is this in your life that it, if you don't have it, it completely will affect your life. And if it doesn't, then fucking it doesn't matter. Like it's all good and there's no issue with that. But if it does, then you have to work out how to put that in. You're right. It's all about 
boundaries, right? And figuring out, okay, well, if I still want this part of my life, maybe I'm not going out twice a weekend. Maybe I'm going out twice a month. Maybe I'm not drinking when I'm going out. And that's something that I'm constantly, I feel like it's kind of a a moving target and it depends on, I mean, it's, it's really tough to say no, when you have, especially, you know, I live in Chicago and there's so many good artists that come through here. It's, it's tough to say no, but I've had to say no to a lot of things because I know it'll affect X, Y, and Z the following days. But, but you, you said a key point, you know, it's not just about going out, having people over at your house and listening to music together. That's, that's one way, you know, to stay connected. Um, you know, we have, we have decks at our house and I have, we have friends come over and it's just like a, a good way to get our fill without, you know, draining our, our dopamine for yeah. the next three days. Yeah. The whole late night thing is, is tough. It can get to you. It can get you down, but. And, and you, I bl- you don't, you don't drink, right? No. No. You don't. And so, I mean, that's not easy either. You know, it's being easy out for me. Super- it's easy for yeah. me. Ta- it's like, tell me about that. I've never really liked drinking. I've never liked kind of, taking drugs and kind of feeling anything out of body. Like I don't like the taste of alcohol. So it's easy for me. Like I've even, it's really strange. I probably subconsciously because of my upbringing, but like my, my parents own drug and alcohol rehabs over my life and they still do. But some of my youngest memories with mum would be like going to her work, which was a drug and alcohol rehab or like a mental health place. And so like, I think subconsciously I'm like, I never want to be an addict. Um, But I think also I cannot stand the taste of alcohol. I cannot stand feeling drunk. So even when I did drink, it was like probably five, six times a year max. And I was just like, what am I doing? Why do I do this? So it's just like, if I don't, if you don't like something to eat for me, it's so I, I think it's like people are like, oh, you're sober, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't class myself as sober because for me, sober is like when you've had an issue with, with, with a substance and decided to stop it to, to benefit your life. Like, I just don't like alcohol. <laughs> so it's yeah. easy for me. And and everyone's Fair like, enough. well, why don't you, does it annoy you people telling you to drink or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it is what it is. It's like, it's part of the industry. Yeah, it annoys me when it's like someone's putting a shot in your face and be like, go on, you should do it. Just one. I'm like, well, no. Like this, but that's, they're, they're just dickheads. Like you just don't mm-hmm. have those people around you. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's 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 very easy for me not to drink, um, which is definitely a pro. I understand why people struggle not to drink, um, but the one thing I would say is being able to say no is the most powerful thing anyone can do, and being able to go to a place completely sober and experience music experienced people completely sober can be a very daunting thing but if you do do it it can also be an amazing feeling i think experiencing music sober is just as good as experiencing music in any other 
frame of mind, but yeah. experiencing people sober is definitely a journey. Uh, <laughs> when I, I went low alcohol, so I'm drinking like maybe two, two drinks a month now, you know, it's like a glass of wine here or there. Sometimes I go longer. I did it just because I had a surgery that didn't allow me to drink. And then I was yeah. like for eight weeks and I was like, wait, this is fucking awesome. Like, why am I, why am I doing this? And I actually got into mocktails and I, you know, love, you know, makes me feel still part of the group, whatever, but, um, going to, I think the first club I went to sober, like completely was by bar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, which is my favorite place in the world. And that's, that's where you'll be. I love, I've been going to that place since I, for a very long time, let's just say like 12 years. And that was the first, and I was like, oh my God, this is a completely different place. Like seeing people and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And like you said, people pressure you, but I think when you're comfortable with yourself, you're confident, like it's easy to say no, like you said. Yeah. Um, I think also like I, I have like a different aspect, a different view on it than a club goer. Like I'm very far removed, although it may not look like it, I'm very far removed from the actual clubbing experience i turn up 30 minutes to 15 minutes before my set like i go on the the decks i play and then i leave straight away so it's like i don't have that really that my only interaction is performing um so i i also am very aware that i'm coming from a very different stance to what most people is well you're you're a dinner guy you like to go I'm a conversation a guy. Dinner. I'm a conversation, conversation guy. Like it's weird because I I'm pretty introverted, but if I've got people around me that I feel comfortable with and that I know I can have good conversation with, like I am, uh, let's go for dinner. Let's have dinner for two hours and let's all have a fucking amazing conversation. Um, the minute music gets involved, which is weird, but the minute we go to like a loud situation i like switch off um and i'm not really you can't have a conversation in a club or in a bar so i just switch off yeah you can't and i i i think i mean i think there's a lot of introverted artists out there and it's like this cognitive dissonance that you experience right like you're part of this insanely loud chaotic lively scene and i fit do you have any like, do you do anything to pump yourself up to be in that environment? Or are you at the point now where you're like, I can handle this. It's fine. I know how to switch it on and off. No, I never really have. Never really have. It's just, just kind of do what you do. Um, majority of the time it's like, it sounds really awful, but you're kind of in a hotel room waiting to go to the club at like one o'clock in the morning. And you're like, fucking hell, I'm feel dead. Why the hell am I going to a club right now? Yeah. Um, so a lot of that's just like, okay, but the minute you get, the minute I go into the club, it's like, okay, we're on. Um, yeah, it's, there's, yeah, it's weird. I get, I don't know. It's so normal to me. Right. And I'm really fortunate to say that it's so normal to me, but even like festivals, it's just like, okay, we're just going to go do what we're going to do. And like, realistically, what's the worst that's going to happen? You press the wrong button. Like it's, 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 nothing really to worry about that um so yeah it's it's pretty 
as a job is pretty easy for pressure um for me anyway well that's good i think people need to hear that i mean especially for artists or other creatives who want to start something new they feel like they have to be perfect or everything has to go perfectly right yeah you know and you're you're here saying hey you press the wrong button fuck it like it happens make the most of it it's like we're all human right and you have to make mistakes and you like that i'd be lying to think that if most sets that goes through my head going don't press that button like because it's the wrong button to press um but like you know what sometimes you do and there's like bigger things in this world that's happening right now than than will clark pressing the wrong button at edc and all the music stopping for literally five <laughs> seconds it's like did come that on. happen no wait did like, that happen <laughs> no, it hasn't but it might you know what i mean um and yeah i've stopped the wrong records in certain but like that's it or like technical issues but it's like in the grand scheme of things it's, it's just kind of compartmentalizing things and i guess the last real time i was relatively nervous before a set but i still didn't do anything to prep was the show coming back from from pandemic i think the first show was in front of like five thousand people in la on equipment that i've never used before because they'd all it all been updated um so that was kind of more nervous but like if i'm in that situation i literally just keep my head down for the first 30 minutes get comfortable with where I'm at and then I can start looking at the crowd and kind of actually working properly. Um, right. Interacting. Yeah. But Hey, we push buttons and play music. It's the fucking easiest job in the world. And it's also the best job in the world. So it's like, come on. It, I mean, Hey, you guys are guys and girls are curators of happiness, right? Like some of people's best moments in their lives come from doesn't have to be a big festival. It could be a set that they saw, yeah. you know, that they didn't even expect was going to, you know, make their whole month. A lot yeah. of people, you you had this comment about a double life and how you enjoy having like that separation. But I think a lot of people actually, you know, people who are attendees of this, of these experiences feel like their friends who don't listen to this music, like don't get it. Yeah. And so when they step into that festival environment or that club environment and they're hearing one of their favorite DJs and they went very specifically to this event for this DJ, as opposed to people who go to like normie club, like yeah, you know, yeah, regular yeah. clubs that play yeah. top 40. Like that is something that is so precious to a lot of people because it's like, I finally get to be myself. I finally get to yeah. let my hair down and, you know, be with the people who get, who speak my language, who get me, who I don't totally. have to explain my context to so I think that's a really special thing that you're able to to give people. Yeah, I guess it, it is. And it's, it's something that I actually try not to think about. There's like occasions where like you get a message going like, it's fucking weird to say, but like your music saved my life. And I don't like thinking about that it's weird to me because it's for me it's just me in the in this room in these four walls just making music because i like it and if somebody else likes it great and i think also if the more i kind of fed into that 
the more my ego is going to come out and that no one wants that in the grand scheme of life. It's fair, but it's not, it's, I think it's a nice thing. If I could push back on that a little bit, I think it's nice to hear that feedback. Um, 100%, 100%. Um, I think it's, it's really meaningful. strange. Yeah, it is. But I think it's also really strange because we live like our lives in this industry is still a business, but it's so, it's so not a business to anybody else outside of it. So it's kind of like that you, you, and it's really, it's a really weird balance to kind of play, to kind of work with when you're kind of in my life. And I'm, I know it's the same for other artists Um, because same with promoters, same with record label owners, all in different situations, but like we want our records to be successful. Why do we want our records to be successful? What is success for a record? Like, I guess, yes, lots more people listening to it, right? Um, however, you could put a record out and it do a thousand streams. And that record completely changes somebody's life, which is an crazy powerful thing to think about. But in the grand scheme of things, successfully, that record hasn't, on a business sense, that record hasn't done well. So there's like, you kind of have these like two things to balance with. It's like, what are we truly doing it for? But also, I also have to pay, keep the lights on somehow. So the records have to be successful. The fact that my records are successful is the reason why we're having this conversation today. There's tens of hundreds of thousands more artists out there that you could have picked to have a conversation with. But because I'm fortunate enough that my records have been successful, you know who I am. Um, but it, do, it also doesn't take away the power of what music has and how that can affect people. Like I've had records that, that massively changed my life, like on another level to the point where people don't, would ne will never realize how much that record's changed, changed my life. To artists that I've never met that that record has changed my life. Um, but it's a weird concept when you're on the receiving end of it, of hearing it, because it's like, I really appreciate that. Um, and it's really nice. So thank you. But it, I kind of, once the record is out, it's not really me. It's not really my record. It's whatever anybody else wants to do with that record is them. However, somebody wants to perceive that record is them. However, somebody wants to sing that record they can sing it how that however they want it. Like it's it's just a weird concept for me that I just don't know if I'll ever kind of process. Sure. And I think I mean you said that it's a balance, but I, I don't think it's a I don't necessarily think it's a balance. I think two things can be true at once. I think you can make music to make money and that's completely valid and yeah. you should. And then, you know, simultaneously, sometimes it's going to impact people very significantly. And those things can run concurrently oh, yeah. and that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like an added bonus. I think, um, I feel like sometimes people get lost in the, like in the space of like, they almost feel like they have to be martyrs. Like, Oh, I need to make everything meaningful and everything has totally. to, you know, help somebody or whatever. You, we said this in the beginning, you have yeah. to help yourself first. 
well there's also yeah i totally agree and sorry to butt in but there's also that really selfish side of the artist that that happens and it's okay i'm just making music for myself um it's very easy to get into that that kind of hamster wheel of the industry where you see something doing well and you're like i have to replicate that or i have to do this or i've done this for god knows i had it with my career i was making music that fit on dirty bird record label and i've did for years even when i wasn't really feeling it for me um and i've had multiple occasions where it's kind of like oh well people know me for this so i have to keep doing it um but realistically there's the other side of it the selfish side of it is that i don't just do music to make money i do music because i love doing it again it goes back to that gym situation it's like the outcome of it that i do make money out of it and i'm lucky enough that i do make money out of it at the moment um but you also have to be selfish and write music that you absolutely love and sometimes there's records that you're like yeah it fucking works and we have to put it out it's like it is what it is but then there's certain situations where it's like i'm just making music that i like and this i don't care if anybody likes it or not it's just it is what it is i think it sounds it sounds like you're saying go with what you you feel for that track i mean there's a strategy there but also you gotta like if something feels right to you make make the music do the thing yeah. yeah just enjoy it it's like there's many parts of this industry that sucks but there's also out of all the parts of the industry that sucks the best thing is creating your own records and then playing them out and seeing people respond to them it's the best feeling ever or even just that the second you finish that record in the studio and like this is fucking great and you've not sent it to anyone and it's yours for the short amount of time that it's just yours and you can just experience it yourself um, until the kind of the business gets involved. It's, it's a beautiful moment. It's an amazing moment. And do you, uh, do you have like a library of, of songs that you sit on before, before you let them go? Or do you kind of have to be strict about what you keep to yourself? No, I have a lot of music that no one will ever hear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i have a lot of side projects well i say a lot i have i have one side project that doesn't even have a name it's called side project on my folder um that only a few people have heard um and then i have another side project that kind of got didn't get poo-pooed but it, like it's just sat there waiting to happen when the right time happens um and then for like will clark there's he has a lot of music i write a lot of shit music um and there's a lot of music that's i'm really happy with that's probably never going to come out sadly um but yeah there's there's a process for like working out if a record is going to come out or not and a lot of that's just commercial commercialization really is like does this record work well in your sets does it get a good response can those are the two things those are the two aspects mostly there's some side ones to it like is this going to be a dj playable or dj friendly record by the djs to play 
a lot of the time, I'll be honest, a lot of my records in the last few years aren't DJ friendly records. They're just very what I do. And if people want to play it, then that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's there's a process of when that record is going to get released. And then you never know if it's going to do well. Well, it sounds like it's a lot more difficult than just pushing buttons. Like you said, there's there's a lot of considerations there. Yeah. When you're writing music and releasing music, it's definitely different to DJ and DJing's easy in that in that sense. Yeah. The the production stuff is is crazy. Yeah, it's it's a process. Um it's way easier nowadays because the it's, there's so much out there. Um but yeah, the whole the the business side of releasing records is really interesting, and a lot of the time is based on luck. I I I say most of this industry is based on luck. Most of life really? is based on. I'd say most of life is based on luck to a certain extent. I 100% agree that you make your own luck to a certain level, um, and right place, right time, and everything like that. But like, it's a lot of I would say a lot of it is about based on luck really I feel like you just opened Pandora's box with me and I don't even (laughs) we're not going to go down this rabbit hole but I do want to know you said you also make your own luck I'm I'm a big believer in that so so just talk to me about about that part how how can people make their own luck in the music industry or anywhere I think it's just about being strategic um like let's say for instance why do i why have i done so much stuff with factory 93 okay this is a really interesting story that me and my manager talk about and carlos that runs factory 93 so 2020 i launched my record label we have is now we did a vinyl press of a bunch of records that came out that that year um for i i stopped releasing music on dirty bird i think end of 2018 i fired my managers at 2018 got new managers 2019 kind of did the whole like changing the will clark sound from like 2018 to like where we are today and a lot of that is convincing people that you're not who you used to be with your sound of music um and a big part of that was how do we get on the factory 93 stages to kind of convince people that we're not who what everyone thought we used to be um so that vinyl ryan my manager was good mates with carlos because my manager used to be one of the biggest agents in america um so he was like pretty had a good relationship with carlos and like we knew exactly what we were doing we ryan hand delivered a vinyl with all my music on to carlos and um carlos listened at the right time we were lucky that he fucking listened like how many things do you send that you're not that you don't listen to or you don't even look at for months carlos listened and he booked he was like this is ridiculous i'm booking you on every show that we can that's luck that's and yes that is that is strategic luck 
we knew exactly what we're doing. He knew exactly what we were doing. But it worked out. It, and it sounds like it's something you wanted really bad. Am I right to assume that? Um, it, it, yes, but I, I, I don't think it was like, it was something that we wanted really badly, but it was something that we thought was a piece of the puzzle to get me to where I need to get to in, in my career. Um, and where we, that was a big piece of the puzzle that would have helped massively. We'd still get to where we wanted to get to if we didn't have that, but it would have been a different journey. Um, sure. And I mean, the wanting to change your sound and, and, and yeah. shifting, you know, the perception is what you wanted. Yeah. And, yeah. In, my, and in my world, you know, in the woo world, we, we call that aligned action. Like you just, you made the right strategic move. You took aligned action to, to get you, you know, yeah, closer yeah. to where you wanted to be. So you can call it luck. I think, I think, I think, that it, was... is, I think it is I, like, it's the one thing that I will stand by anything because like, yes, you're strategic about something and it paid off, but how many people are trying to get on those shows? How many people are trying to do whatever in life? just happened to wake up one day and put that vinyl on that's fucking luck if you ask me listen i <laughs> i met you at edc because i decided to shoot a reel like an audition for for them and they didn't even have a job opening exactly and i said fuck it i'm just gonna do this and see what happens yeah. and so sometimes you know i think when something is meant for you it works out yeah I agree. and and it's interesting how you know, you you took bold action. That was not, yeah. you know, that was, that was, like you said, you put it on a vinyl, you hand delivered it. These are the extra steps going the extra mile that other people might not do. And it got you where you are today. So that, that is a key up, thing. Sorry to buy in, but that is a key thing is yeah. you always have to like put in that extra thing. Like I, when is this episode coming out? In June. In June. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So we can talk about it. This it can't go out beforehand. <laughs> Just a heads oh, up. Okay. But we're doing a show. We're doing a show. In fact, I don't know when this would be announced, but I'm gonna say roughly. We're doing a show in a city in California, um, in July. And for us, for me, it's like how do we give back to the community in a way that like we're not asking anything from people like, yeah, people are going to buy tickets, but like we're doing like a huge t-shirt giveaway where everyone that buys a ticket will get a free t-shirt. Like, and it's costing a fortune. Like I make zero money on the show because all of the show fee is going into the, the, the give it the, the, the making of the t-shirt and the delivering the t-shirt and everything like that. But for me is like, it's, and not every artist needs to do this. Not every artist wants to do this. But for me, it's like, how can you go the extra mile to give back to the fans as well? Like, these are the people, the fans, like, are the people that literally pay my bills. Like, it's not me making the music. That's, that's free. It doesn't cost anything. What really 
pays my bills is the people streaming my music, the people playing my music on radio and the people buying tickets to my show and people buying my merch. So it's like, that's how can you, how can you give back and go the extra mile to those people? Because I think in this, there's a lot of expectations and a lot of people expect things from people to buy tickets, expect them. Like why? I don't understand. Why do people, the fact that people buy tickets to see me play is crazy thing for me every week if you know what i mean it's a stressful thing because it's like how many tickets have we sold have we sold out blah 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 but then also the other spectrum of it is like i don't understand this it's crazy that these people are still buying tickets to see me play when some people have seen me like 10 times i'm like guys there's other people out there go spend your money somewhere else but like and that's the thing is like just going you have in my in my world it's about how do you go that extra mile with everything? And it's like, I'm not the most talented person. I'm not the best DJ in the world. I'm not the best producer in the world. I, I know that. Um, but how can I give people, how can I make an experience for a person, for a person, whether that's a club goer or whether that's a record label owner or whether that's a promoter, how can I go that extra mile to just be like, yeah, Will Clark did it the right way. And that's, that's all that really matters for me is like, how can we go that extra mile to give back and create something that lasts a long time? Well, you're very humble. Um, and, and you are the best at all of those things you just listed above and you're a great person, which just really adds it. Like I said, it comes through in your music. You know, you are somebody who just really knows themselves and uh, everything you do, I think really, that really shines. So I've taken up a lot of your time and I really appreciate, you know, you being willing to come on my podcast. I know you have your own to, to manage plus your tour. So you're, you're a busy guy and I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate it. And good luck with it. It's fun. It's a fun journey. Um, Thanks a well. Make the most of it. I'll, I'll do my best. Thanks, Will. <laughs> you have no idea how shook I was when Will told me he edits his own podcast, or he did up until recently. But, you know, they say, if you need something done, just ask the busiest person in the room. And that's obviously true of Will, because I don't know how he does, you know, the touring, the production, the podcast. It's truly amazing. And I don't want to embarrass him, and I said this already on the podcast, but Will's vulnerability is so refreshing and rare. And I'm so honored that he spent time on my baby podcast um, to just be vulnerable with me. There's so many good takeaways from today's episode, from you know living a sober life to being part of a community, um, to having you know a life outside of music. But I think what the overarching theme was, was that Will is really good at setting boundaries. Like you could tell, it was probably having therapists as parents help, but he's so good at setting boundaries. And, you know, everything he does in his life, professionally and personal, is just better off for it. So I think that we could all learn a lot um, from people like Will. And he has his own podcast, The Will Clark Podcast. So be sure to check that out because there are some amazing conversations on there. And of course, if you like this podcast, Give us a follow at Elevated Frequencies Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, subscribe here on YouTube. We are dropping new episodes every week. I'll see you next time. Yeah.